Welcome to the Life Podcast, where we offer real hope to real people dealing with real life. We filter our thoughts through God's thoughts and our ways through God's ways. We pray you're blessed by this podcast. Enjoy the show. is the life podcast living intentionally for eternity people i am excited today i have an extremely special guest i am excited for this lady here someone with expertise on this topic we're going to be talking about today um a while back on life i did a episode called the truth about youth so if you don't know i am a teacher I've been teaching for about four years. I teach middle school. These days, I teach a lot of different stuff, but primarily, I'm an English teacher. Um, And I've been doing this for four years. And my heart has always been geared towards young people. Um, Their their, their particular struggle with life, I remember that. I remember just walking in the wilderness as a young person, not really having any boundaries, trying to do what I want. And I saw the destruction of that. And I see so many other young kids really struggling with that as well. So today we want to kind of come back on that conversation and deal with more so what are young people struggling with and how does that impact other parts of society like schools and communities and churches? Uh, Because we know that God's primary blessing comes through the family. So Abraham, he wants them to raise up. He wants them to raise up his children so that they may walk in the ways of the Lord and live blameless before him. So it starts in the family. And from the family, that goes to the community. From the community, goes to the school from the school goes to the church or whatever order you want to put that in so we need to make sure that we're doing that um and we need we need to make sure we're having those conversations so today i'm joined by vanessa smith vanessa smith is now the program director of lanham christian school she was formerly the head principal um and she's moving out of that uh for family reasons and she's 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 enjoying a luxurious life of being a full-time mom, <laughs> a homemaker. <laughs> uh, Vanessa is, is married to Eric Smith, the pastor of Grace. Is it just Grace Brethren or is it Grace? Grace Church. Just Grace, Grace Church. Church. We are, we're connected to the Brethren movement, but it's Cares Fellowship now. So, okay. Um, yep. So yep. we're just, just Grace Church. <laughs> yep. So she is, she was a principal. She, she was a teacher. She was a principal. Uh, she's a pastor's wife now. Um, she has two beautiful children, um, August and another young Alexander. man. Alexander. Alexander the goat, <laughs> as we like to call him. <laughs> Alexander the goat. So she has a growing family and she's still working part-time with Lanham Christian. I'm thankful for her presence in my life. Uh, one thing I want to say about Miss Smith before we get started. I'm sorry, Vanessa. Vanessa, you can call me Vanessa. (laughs) One thing I want to say about her is she is straightforward. She doesn't mix words. Uh, She does not um, bounce around subjects. If you ask her a question, it's going to be very direct. Um, And she, she, uh, but she is a wise woman. I've I've heard her preach. I've heard her teach, and uh, it's a level of wisdom there that that I admire. Um, in her. So I'm thankful that she's here with us today. Vanessa, can you just say hi to the people? 
Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it is so good to be here. I am honored. Um, I don't know that I am that wise, but <laughs> I, I am I am blunt to, to a fault. So I, I appreciate <laughs> the call to that. That is something that I, I own. For better or for worse, I own it. <laughs> amen, amen. So just to get just to get uh, started, you know, in life podcast, we like to filter our thoughts through God's thoughts. We like to filter yes. our ways yes. through God's ways. We like to filter our perspectives through God's perspectives. So, so usually with my life point, I'll have a scripture, and we will get to some scripture. But it's this book that I've been reading called Screens and Teens by Kathy mm. Conch. Extremely mm. informational information. Uh, analytical approach to the caught the current culture of children mm, and it's mm. fascinating so i've been spending the last couple of days reading through it rereading through it because i've read it before but i to prepare for this interview i was like let me check it out again so i ran across this quote that's going to be our life point for today so it says god created every single person with deep core needs of security identity belonging purpose and competence so if that's what people need as adults, how much more for these little ones, right? That we're we're fostering relationships with. Um, so particularly today, we want to talk about what does that look like in community? What does it look like to disciple children that's not necessarily yours? And I think Vanessa has a unique perspective and the most in-depth that I can possibly get because she's a principal. So not only does she see the student, she sees the person and she sees the person's family and she knows the interworkings of well, be a little gentle because at home, this kid is like, he gets nothing or she gets nothing. So that's why she acting the way she act. So as, as, as educators, as people, when you read stuff or you hear stuff on the news or on social media, you see our kids acting, you just go straight to judging. Like, what's wrong with these kids? Now, it's something wrong with them. But we're not thinking deeper about, man, it's a lot. It's, in the human experience is complex. Yeah. Right. So I think she has an ex- extremely unique perspective. So I just wanted to read that excerpt and get straight into it. So, Vanessa, have you heard of this podcast before? I have heard of this podcast before. <laughs> yes. And and I have listened. I have listened to at least one episode. OK. Um, the one with your dad, the one that, that one of the ones that your dad was on. I know he's on quite a bit, but yeah, um, a lot of wisdom. And I think a lot of people need to hear the straight truth, because I think we are. <laughs> As, as you know, I like I like it straight. So um, hearing straight to truth, I think some, is something that is lacking in today's culture and our society. And so I think that's something that is much needed. Sure. Sure thing. So from the basis, we're going to get straight into this interview. Guys, we are trying to move toward YouTube, but it ain't going to be today. You get an audio today. <laughs> uh, but we're trying Amen. to get that set up. This is a part of season two. This is actually the second episode. So you'll get another episode coming out next week. And this won't be coming out a little bit later. But this is season two. We took a break about a month. Now we're back on and we should be more consistent than we have been. Um, But let's get into it, Vanessa. Let's talk about this. So my first question I wanted to ask you was, so from your perspective, what do you see young people finding their identity in these days? And are they positive or negative? So this topic overall is such an important topic for us as adults Mm. and for children, you know, children, not just teens, but children, because younger and younger kids are getting screens in their hands. Mm. And so this is just such an important topic in terms of where young people are getting their identity from. 
a lot of that is coming from social media and the sports and entertainment world. Most of the kids that I'm talking to that we come across, if you ask them who their heroes are, they're coming from these places. Um, Not so much parents or grandparents or this person or that person in the community, particularly influencers. Um, You ask most kids today who they want to be, what they want to be, they'll tell you they want to be influencers. Mm -hmm. And by that, they're not meaning that they want to influence other people necessarily, but they want that fame. They want that recognition. And what they're doing is what I think what they're doing is identifying with these seemingly normal people. Because that's what most influencers are. They've come from nowhere. They've come up from their basements, their mom and dad's, you know, their bedroom. And they go viral. And Mm. they're all of a sudden able to impact the world around them. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. I think that's really what these kids want to do. I think a lot of young people these days want to impact the world around them. That desire is there for them to do that. They just don't know how to do it. Sure. Um, and they don't know the, the tools. They don't know like what they're going to actually do to impact the world. But they know they want to do that. They want to be influencers. I mean, they're, they're, they'll tell you that. Um, unfortunately, you know, because of the superficial nature of the Internet, because of the superficial nature of media, we've known this about Hollywood for a really, really long time, but we're seeing it in an unprecedented way, right? When you're talking about people on the internet, what you're seeing is a carefully crafted facade Hmm. of what somebody wants you to see. Sure. So these influences, even the most positive influences, they're not really showing you behind the camera. It seems like it's normal life, but it is not normal life, even in terms of the hard work and things that are going into it. They're, what they're seeing is just a facade. And so often these influences are negative and our mm. students are gravitating towards these negative ones. Um, and they, it, the whole process of using these people as mentors can be very confusing for kids mm. because they want something. They don't quite understand how to get there. And then you've got a group of people that are making it look easy or making it look seamless. And that's just not the experience to get there. Sure. Amen. So just some things that I wrote down based on what you was talking about. So um, social media, you would say some the main two, social media or three, social media, sports and entertainment for sure, right? Yeah. I, I would say that for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say, let's just park there for a second. Have you been following the Deion Sanders thing? Yes. Your, yes. My husband is an avid sports fan. Sure. Avid sports fan. So yes. Sure. I so, know more about Dion than I've ever known about Dion. <laughs> you are like the fifth wife that I heard say that. Like my husband <laughs> got me watching every game of Colorado or knowing <laughs> yeah, something about it. I was watching college football this weekend and he wasn't even there. It was on TV and I was like with rapt attention trying to trying to like see if they were gonna score uh, on Oregon. So this is the most yeah. I've ever known about college football. Exactly. So it's like this frenzy. So when you think of someone like Deion Sanders, and this is kind of off the cuff, um, I just did an episode with my dad about this very topic. Um, and I talked about the um, idolatry of sports because mm-hmm. I think it's an idol in this country, right? Yes. Um, but you think of someone like a Deion Sanders who, Sanders who has, I think he's one of the more positive social media influencers 
first, first of all, he seems to be pretty sound in his faith. Um, I don't know the interworkings of that, but he, he, he talks about Jesus. So that's a good thing. And it seems like he knows how to cultivate and capture young men's, a young man's attention in a way that most other people can't. And maybe it could just be sports. Young men are just automatically attracted to sports. But it seems like the way he speaks to them, he doesn't hold back. He speaks the truth to them uh, in their face in this direct old school, but they respond to it. So that's one that's one like the positive side. But that's one person. Most people on that joint is not and they are not helpful or healthy. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Even with Dion, you know, I wonder sometimes I, what are kids drawn to about him? Hmm. I think his his the, the 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 young man that he has an ability to influence on a personal level on that team or that he's surrounded by, I think he absolutely has a positive impact on those people. But you're talking about a team that's watching the highlight reel, if you will. Are they impacted by Dion in the way that they should be impacted? That's one hundred percent positive. Are they listening to what he's saying? Are they? taking his words and using them or applying them in their own life? Or are they just looking at the shades of sunglasses, the how he carries himself, you know, that the Colorado now has their social media feed has blown up, you know, more people than they ever have. And so I, I, I question whether, yes, he is a great role model. He is in terms of athletes, probably one of the best in terms of success. Um, and in terms of, of life things as well, but is that translating to our kids just in the social media bleeps that you're getting, or are kids just wanting to be like Dion because he's famous and he's successful or are kids wanting to be like Dion because he's a man after God's own heart? Sure. I think his, I think his, his team, his team probably does. Mm -hmm. His team sees that the people that are around his immediate circle see that. But is social media necessarily seeing that? Um, it's an interesting question. And, I, and I, I'm not against social media. I have social media. <laughs> sure. I, I think there's a lot of good that comes from it. Um, mm-hmm. I love the 15 minute, the 15 second, not 15 minute. Nobody's yeah. watching 15 minutes. The 15 <laughs> second clip. Um, you know, I think those things are good. But I think when we're talking about children, young people in particular, you got to be careful with it. Yeah, it's it's a to that point, it's a quote from the book, and I think it's apropos for this part. And it's talking about, um, just for some context, it's talking about prioritizing these things, making sure they are they they have their places. Um and 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 all of us, Vanessa, I would say we long for connection with people. Yes. Um yeah. uh one person said, Lord, please let me remember, he says, you know, the human heart longs for two things to be loved and to be known to be loved and to be mm-hmm. known so that's that connection that sense of belonging that we all need but the thing is the enemy always comes with a counterfeit right in the garden mm-hmm. eater eden adam and eve had everything that they needed it was yep. a garden as my pastor reminded me yesterday yep. he said it was a garden of yeses with one no mm. garden of yeses mm-hmm. with one no so it's almost like if adam and eve was walking with god through the garden it would have been like, Dad, can I have that? Yep. Yeah. Can I have that? Yep. Hey, can I pet that? Yep. Hey, can I eat from that? Yep. Can I do this? Yep. Can I touch that? No, son. Not that one. Why? Trust me. 
You know what I mean? So it's a garden mm-hmm. full of yeses. Yeah. And, and, and it was the one, and, and the temptation was to have life apart from God. And that's still the reality. Ephesians 4.18 yeah. says that the Gentiles yeah. are cut off from the life of God. Those without Christ, they're cut off from that. So they don't even know yeah. it. So the deepest yeah. connection you long for and you need, if Ecclesiastes is true, that all of us have a God-sized eternal space in our heart that only God can fill. If you're missing that, there's no other connection, either personal or on the screen, that can really fulfill that. Yeah. Um, so, so listen, all that to say this. She says, screens are part of our lives and they're here to stay, but we long for deep connection with the teens we love, right? And that means making sure we give our relationships their rightful priority and connect face to face. Being honest and recognizing how technology influences you can improve your relationship with your teens. You can talk about what you have in common rather than being frustrated by the differences. And I thought that was just a good quote because you just said it. I have social media and it's things about it that I enjoy. Uh, Vanessa, you know a little bit about my testimony, but I came to faith through social media, right? Mm -hmm. I heard of Paul Washer. Uh, I know you've heard this a thousand times, but I I heard about Paul Washer from friends that was meeting to face to face. I heard about him and thank God you two was there. And I just was entranced with this man's teaching and God saved me. Mm-hmm. He saved Amen. me. I thought I knew him. Amen. I didn't know him. And I heard mm-hmm. the gospel preached uh, powerfully for the first time in my life. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and God mm-hmm. used that. God yeah. used that. So I tell people all the time, you will never hear me hate on social media. Most of the things I've grown into, the people I've known that helped me with the word of God has come through social media. That's mm-hmm. just where the people are. Paul, mm-hmm. the apostle, would have had a social media account because yeah. that's where the people are. So yeah. it's like <laughs> we know I I have a friend, a young lady that um, was attending our church and she really felt called to so to Christian social media. That's what she felt like her calling was. And she was walking in that and she was working to develop that. And so, yes, certainly there is a place for that. It is a tool that God can use to go far and wide. Um those little clips that you see real quick as you're scrolling through, especially, you know, can really be impactful. Um, But it's got to go beyond that. Sure. And when we're talking about teens, I think you want to be careful because it is something that there's a lot of negative. There's a lot of evil that can seep in. If we want to use that word um, that can draw them away from God. And I think social media in tandem with relationship, in tandem with family, mm-hmm. in tandem with people that are around them, mm-hmm. ministering to them, not social media in lieu of a youth group, which is, or in lieu of a church, mm-hmm. social media that's replacing that. You know, yeah. I think, I think um, one of the, the big disservices of COVID um, was churches that that were closed for a long period of time. Come on. And the absence of fellowship. Come on. The Bible commands us to fellowship. Hmm. And so hmm. there is a whole generation of people, not just teens. Yep. Teens don't decide where they go to church. Our students don't take themselves to church. They're children. They're teenagers. They don't drive themselves to church. But we have a whole generation of adults, people our age, that have decided it's okay to just watch church online. Come on. And so there's their children are seeing this and, and feel like that's okay too. So we as adults have set the wrong example for children and we're expecting them to make choices that we haven't equipped them to adequately hmm. make. 
And so I think social media, one of the, one of the rules that we have at our school is no cell phones, no cell phones on campus. Mm -hmm. And, um, the big reason for that is that we want kids to interact with each other. We, we have, we've issued all of them iPads. They all have iPads that they can use. But the purpose, the reason behind it is we want them to interact with each other. We want them to have those face-to-face conversations because that's where ministry happens. Um, and social media can definitely foster that and fuel that and, and give us those things that we need when we're not able to be, you know, hearing God's word, certainly music and all of those things. There's so much information that's accessible. You can watch Paul Washer anytime you want to watch it because he's yep. supplementing what your pastor says. But if that's all that you're doing, sure, I mean, you're missing a large part of how God has intended us to be as a church. Amen. Amen. And I think, uh, yeah, amen. I don't have nothing to add. <laughs> that was beautifully said. So, so getting to the next question. Um, so being a principal, you have an interesting perspective of the inner workings of families of a family's life. Uh, they open up to you in a way that I probably wouldn't see as a teacher on my end. Uh, so would you say that children feel a deep sense of belonging from their parents and loved ones? I think kids, and you said this earlier, kids have a deep need to belong. People have a deep need to belong. And if that need is not being met in the home, they're going to look for that need to be filled somewhere else. Sure. Um, A lot of times we as parents in a capitalistic society, we think the best thing we can do for our kids is to work hard and provide them with a good life, mm-hmm. right? That's it's. It, we're living in a day and age where it's very hard to be um, a single income home. We're living in a day and age where to just survive for some people, right? You're not even talking about all of these extras. You're talking about just surviving. You need two incomes. Sure. Um, we're living in a day and age where there's a lot of pressure to be quote unquote successful, financially successful. Sure. And so parents work, they work hard, they work long hours. I had a, a coworker once tell me that before she came to work for us, where her, where she and her son went to school with us, she worked at a, um, a secular job. She worked a corporate job. And she said, I felt so bad about the hours that I worked that I would just buy my son things to compensate for the fact that I wasn't there. And I'm so thankful that I can work in an environment now where I'm with him and I can go home at three o'clock and be with him after school and all of these things. But I had never heard anybody say that to me. And when I became a parent and the first day I had to leave my house, even though, you know, our just a baby, yeah. our, our, just our first daughter. And um, I wasn't even, we we live and, and work here on the property. And so we, we live in a parsonage house. And so when we... The first time we, I left ha- home and came back at the end of the day, I felt that guilt. So I knew what she was talking about. And I hadn't even gone that far. <laughs> sure. um, it's hard. It's hard. And I think the lifestyles that we choose to live or the lifestyles that have been handed to us because of whatever that causes us to work has put us in a place of leaving kids feeling very displaced, of kids feeling... Um, we have to work extra hard. And I think oftentimes parents compensate that time 
with stuff. Mm. Um, and that's really not solving the problem, right? That's really just kind of masking the problem. It makes parents feel a little bit better. Sure. Um, and it's masking the issue of these kids and where do they really belong? Like, are you able to really sit down? Parenting is hard, you know. You've got three, three little ones. Um, so you're ahead of me. And um, it's tough. It's tough to exude. It's tough to exert that energy. It's tough to um, when you're tired and you would rather be on your phone. Yeah. Um, it's tough. To, it's tough to kind of wake up early or stay up late or take the extra 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is at bedtime to hear them at dinner time. It's easier just to kind of veg out in front of the TV instead of having dinner together. Um, And those are all things that leave, they're easier for us as adults, but I think they leave kids feeling very lost um, and like they don't don't belong. And, And then you have social media that is really attractive to kids because here's an environment where they can belong. Right. No matter what they're into, no matter what they like or dislike, they're going to find a community of people that they can connect with and belong. And it's filling this need in them that they're not irrelevant, that they have a place where they can be relevant and they can um, have people that are validating them Hmm. and welcoming them. And so now that's replacing, and it's a very shallow, right, belonging. We know that as adults. It's very, very shallow, but it fills that immediate need that's lacking. To be honest, you know, it's a lot easier to stick her in front of the TV or put a TV in her room and let her watch something until she falls asleep. Sure. Because that's tough. Hmm. And Hmm. so... I find, you know, a lot of parents will trade out the the easier parts, sorry, the the more challenging parts of parenting for easily sliding in social media because it makes it easier for them and they're really losing their kids in that. Um uh-huh. because that need is going to be met somewhere. It's going to be met somewhere. And mm-hmm. if we don't fill that as parents, if we don't direct them to Christ as parents, it's just going to be shallow. It's it's not going to it's not going to be a deep seated thing. So just some things I like to read back what you said. You said some this this all you. This is what you said, right? So um, parents try to provide their children with a good life. Can you unpack that's that's that word can mean a lot of things. Good, yes. right? So this good life. What would you define as the good life they're trying to produce? for their um kids what would you because you said you said um you know most parents i would rather like i hear this all the time i don't know if you ever heard it like i just want to give my kids what i never had right they'll say stuff like that all the time and then you kind of want to break out to this question of well what was your what (laughs) you live in america you're in the first world country (laughs) Yeah. What was so bad about your life outside of like tumultuous sin, right? Right. Just the basic necessities of life that was so horrible that if your kid got exactly that, they would just be the scum of the earth. And you ask that question to people directly and they get offended because in some way they know that that's not 
reality. You know what I mean? So you said, you know, provide, they want to provide their kids with a good life. When you say good life, are you saying stuff? Do you mean by like stuff? Yeah. By and large, <laughs> I mean stuff. Okay. And I, I hesitate to put everybody in that category sure. because that's not everybody's situation. Sure. I think there are families that genuinely are struggling um, to make it by. I think there are like two income, you know, both parents are working and they're struggling. Sure. I think there are, there are, there are genuine situations. So I don't want to put everybody in the stuff category, but I, I do think that you kind of have to choose, you know, we, us working in a Christian environment, one of the sacrifices I know that our teachers make, especially those teachers that have kids in our program you're sacrificing a chunk of your paycheck so that your child can have a Christian education. That's a sacrifice. Sure. And I think that that there has to be, I, I think you just have to decide what's most important. You and your family have to come together and decide what's most important. And, and people fall in a wide range of, of areas in that. For our home, um, we committed, and, and this is something that we talked about when we were, when we were dating before we were married and then into our early marriage, you know, when we have kids, I want to raise our kids. I don't want somebody else to raise our kids. Amen. And so the trade-off for that, it, it works for me really well because I'm an educator. So pretty much wherever our kids go. I can be there. We're in a very blessed situation right now because I can be home with our kids mm -hmm. and our financially we're not strapped, but we even that aside, you know, we made the decision to take a financial hit in order for us to impart what we wanted our values to our children at what we felt was a very impressionable age. Amen. And there's always going to be a trade-off. And I don't say that to judge anybody that's made a different decision. Again, families fall in a wide, wide range um, of situations. Sure. Um, you know, I, my, my brother um, was sharing with me, he uh, is a neonatologist, so kind of an intense job and works a lot and works a lot of long hours. And they purpose in their home that his wife is going to stay home and take care of their kids. And so that's what they've done. And uh, he was just sharing with me, you know, his kids miss him sometimes and the strain of that. And they don't see him all the time because he's working these weird shifts and things like that. And, you know, I just I shared with him the same thing. I, and I think it's it's worth it's worth saying, you know, there are a lot of people that are in a lot of situations. They've made a decision because he has this job. They're able to give their kids a lot of life experiences but they've also purposed to not have his wife work. And I think if she did, could they afford to do a lot of different things and be a two income family and drive more expensive cars and live in a fancier house? Absolutely. They yeah. could, um, but they've made certain decisions and the same goes for us. And the same goes for, for any family that kind of make those choices. I think you have to, I, I I guess, yeah, I am saying stuff is, is yeah. by and large why people make that decision. Mm. And um, I shared with, with um, some, some families just in terms of their kids going to college. 
you know, that verse, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his soul? Like your kid has all the stuff. They have a really comfortable life, but at the end of the day, you've lost them to this trend or that trend or this passing fad or this lifestyle or that lifestyle. Was it worth it? You know, sure. and, and I don't, I, I, only they can answer that question, right? Only that family can answer that question for themselves. Hmm. Um, you said something that I kind of just paraphrased um, about sacrifice. So I said, based on what you said, sacrificing what seems, you need to learn how to sacrifice for what seems important, for what's really important. Something can seem really important, like money, it is really important. But in the grand yeah. scheme of things, so in my, in my sense, my wife definitely makes more money than I am. She's a landscape architect. Um, so her field demands and demands and pays more uh i left public school um making pretty decent money and i came to land christian because we made a decision for our family that we want to protect our children's worldview we want them to know that god created this universe and he has a way for it to be ran and there's a way for us to conduct ourselves and he has a purpose for everything that he's created. And you're not going to get that Amen. in public school. You will have mm -hmm. some teachers that are Christians there that will do it privately because um, most feel like they can't be bold in their faith because of, in their faith because of laws and all that type of stuff. But um, we had to make a decision um, to say, what, what, what do I want the future of my family to look like? And can I sacrifice what I want now so I can have what I want later? And I think we had to make that decision. And I, I wrote down, good parents sacrifice for their children i mean it's simple but if, if 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 when you have a child you have to realize that your life is over <laughs> until they can get on their feet and and you're gonna struggle yeah. with that and you're gonna have mm -hmm. to sit with that and you have to eat a lot of ice cream that's how i get over it. i just be eating ice cream <laughs> i just soothe myself with ice cream right um but but it's it's it's, it's a level of this is hard this is this is hard. Um, and as a man, you feel like, man, I should be, you know, making a certain amount of money. I should be able to provide for my family. I want to be the ultimate provider for my family. But the lawyers had to step in and check me on that and let me know you are providing for your family. Right. Yes. Um, because yes. your yes. daughters are going to school with yes. you and re receiving an education that they would have right. got otherwise. And if it takes you as the man being a leader, if, that what, if that's what you want, you're going to have to die for it in a sense right right jesus came for his bride but how did he purchase her by his blood mm -hmm. by his mm -hmm. blood mm -hmm. so it can't just be words that's what you want go and do it and yeah. god has blessed it um and, yeah. and he makes up the difference and he does he does you know i had somebody ask me somebody that didn't have kids and this probably would have been me before i had kids they said well what do you know what do you do when's your time when do you take time for your for your mental health. And I just looked at them and I was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Like, I, I don't understand what that question means. They're like, no, no. When is your time? I'm like, maybe when I'm in the bathroom, like, I don't, I don't know what my time is. There is no, my time. My time is my child's time. Sure. And that's what we purpose to do. I think though we live in a very selfish society. I mm. think we live in a very hedonistic society, a very humanistic society and we're very much saying it's all about me, right? And we're seeing that as we're going away from, um, we're going to a more childless society where mm. we're, we're celebrating childlessness. 
where, mm-hmm. you know, well, look at me, I can do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. And I'm not giving up my, me, my, my, and, um, it's a selfish, it's a selfish way of living. And sure. I think that there's so much purpose. Yes. Your time is not your own and it is for a season. That's just, that's the reality of it. It's for a season. Your time is not your own, but the rewards are great. The sure. rewards are, are great. And I, I, I think, God blesses it. That's what you said, right? Mm-hmm. God blesses it. And he absolutely does bless it. And mm-hmm. there's no greater blessing, I think, than seeing your child serve him. I think there's no greater blessing than imparting those things to your child. Um, and again, that's not to say it's like a magical formula. Like you send your kid to Christ- Christian school and they're going to be, <laughs> they're going to be saved and they're going to be, that's certainly not what, what anybody's saying, but I do think that there's blessing in that as a parent to make that sacrifice and prioritize them and what they need at that moment to what you think they need. And that's really it. I think it's what you think they need, what you think is going to make their life better, whether that's an athletic program or whether that's the new Xbox, whatever Mm -hmm. number, whether that's shoes or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, we think they need something that, they can really get by without what they really can't get by without is you, your time, your effort, that FaceTime that they have with you. Um, that's really what most kids are longing for. Sure. Um, that's good. And can you just touch on, you said something about um, guilt. And I thought that was really interesting. You were talking about how this lady was working for corporate America and she started working with you, but she was saying how bad she felt because in order to make that money, she had to do that time. And she was missing out so much on her child's life that and to make her feel good to kind of massage it over. She said, well, I can just give him whatever he wants. So can you just talk about when with dealing with families, like when you talk to moms or dads, if they open up ever, um, <laughs> the guilt that seemingly, good parents feel right they could be a good parent but this 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 constant i'm not doing enough or i'm not enough for my kid can you just speak to that and how you address that with 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 the families that you talk with i I don't know i mean i gotta tell you when that mom told me that it was such an honest response to whatever it is that we were talking about and and there's very few people, there's very few parents that would actually admit to that. But I think it's such a, for me, it was a real eye opener. Hmm. Um, on one hand, it's okay to feel that guilt um, in terms of like, we're human. Sure. And so it's okay to go, hey, this is something that I feel bad about. And hmm. especially when you find yourself in a situation as a single parent, I don't know any way around that. You know, I don't know any way around it. Or when your family is in a place where you really need that two income, like my parents were, my parents both worked. Yep. Um, we were latchkey kids. That's what you called it back in the day. Yep. I don't know what they call it now. Um, garage kids. And so garage <laughs> kids. we lived in an apartment, so we, yeah, we same, have a garage. Same. But, um, you know, our, my parents worked a lot and, and, not worked a lot, but they worked till, you know, six, six o'clock and we came home. They had very little time with us. And so again, I don't say that out of a place of judgment, but I just, I, I say that I think more out of a place of 
it gave me some level of compassion, I think. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a tough place. It's a tough place for a parent to be. Sure. And you know that if they feel that way, if they could make another choice, they would. Um, and some of them just, just can't. And so I would just say, you know, give yourself grace. We thank God for his grace. Hmm. And we thank God that where we mess up, where, where our parents have messed up, we somehow survived. And where we mess up, our kids will somehow survive. Yep. And that's where you just kind of place them in God's hands and go, here you go, God. You do the rest. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what I, I would say, you know, to be prayerful and just give yourself grace in that place of guilt, because I don't think that's, it may be the quickening of the Holy Spirit and you kind of have to evaluate that in your own, in your own life. Sure. Um, but I would also say if you feel like you're in a place where you really can't do anything about it, then there's grace for that. There's grace. Grace meets your case. <laughs> grace then, meets your case. Praise God. Um, uh, one thing, and then we're going to get into this last question. Uh, to your point, it says this, uh, Kathy Koch says this in her book. She says, before there were cell phones, young people had time off from their peers. Times when they were at home with just their families. Mm. Now teens are with their peers and with online influencers 24-7 since they can access their social media and the internet all day long. Before there were cell phones, young people had time off from their peers, right? I'm sorry, that must have went twice. Okay, because of this large array of influencers uh, influencing their daily experience, today's young people tend to be more conflicted about who they are and what they value. It's even harder for parents to know their kids well and for teens to benefit from the opinions and wisdom of the parents who love them because they're listening to so many voices. Um, we always Amen. get caught up when we listen to different voices. Back to the garden. Back to the garden. Mm. It's just there. Yes. Um, and that's where discernment. It's saints playing the same tricks. It's, it's, not, same... it's nothing new. Tricks. It's the same thing, just another day. I mean, it's like Charles Spurgeon is is a pastor, an old school pastor that I think was phenomenal. I called him the Prince of Preachers. Um, but he said one time, he was talking about discernment. And I've said this on a podcast before, so bear with me. He says, true discernment isn't the ability to discern or decipher right from wrong. He said, true discernment is the ability to, to decipher right from almost right. Oh. And I think young kids, people in general, what can get somebody caught up in false teaching in, in, a, in a relationship with a horrible man or woman or in a bad marriage or whatever it may be, it's all because no one would just go, and go out with right. somebody with just, just an outright fool, insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some insane people out there that would, but most people are not like that. It's, well, he wasn't like that. Oh, they, that's that's not what they said. And you look up and you're like, what did I get myself into? It happens mm-hmm. to young people all the time because that yep. discernment is, they look at stuff a little too black and white. It's like, well, nah, bro, I mean, go ahead. I don't think, we're putting kids in the position of having to discern things that adults struggle to discern. Amen. The biological reality is that their brains are not fully functioned and sure. these social media companies are 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 specifically designing algorithms to capitalize 
on their lack of ability to make sound decisions. Mm. They cannot make reasonable, rational decisions. That's why there's an age of consent. That's why we don't allow 16-year-olds to vote. That's why there's a legal... Like, we understand that to some level in society because we put age restrictions on certain behavior. Children are not able to make rational decisions. To me, this is not an issue. Kids are on... Kids are receiving the results and the consequences of our bad parenting. Come on. And I'll just throw that out there because allowing your child unfettered access to a device at home when you should be spending time with them is not good. It's not healthy. And then we're sitting back here and going, well, why can't kids discern? Why can't kids discern? (laughs) They're children. Uh They're teenagers. They can't even really discern. Like adults have trouble really discerning what is a catfish or not. How can I expect a 15 or a 16 year old to discern that? Mm -hmm. They don't see the dangers that exist in the world. They don't understand that people are out to get them or prey on them. And that's a large part of the people that they're surrounding themselves with. They're not able to make rational decisions. So it's like you're handing somebody a loaded gun and saying, well, you didn't make a good decision about what you did with it. No, you didn't make a de- right decision. Why would you expect somebody to make a right decision with that? Why? Yeah, and 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 I love what you say. You said, man, their brains are not fully developed. Also, their hearts aren't. No, um, and, absolutely, and, absolutely. And Proverbs says, w- w- if I was to ask a kid, what's bound up in your heart? They're like, I don't know, blood. I would say, no, oh, it's actually it's foolishness, yes. right? Foolishness. <laughs> they would say, it's blood is in my heart. Yes. It's what's pumping. No, it's yes. actually foolish. And, and what yes. drives it far yes. from them is it's the rod of discipline. It's, it's mm-hmm. godly wise controlled discipline that lets yes. them that confronts their sin without yes. killing their soul right so right. it's 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 i'm gonna talk to i'm i'm gonna say things that may hurt your feelings uh but it's all out of love and to turn your heart towards the lord right and i can deal with you being mad at me for a couple minutes because i disciplined you if we can reconcile this and keep moving onward to the lord and i think this is what blew my mind Vanessa, I watched Social Media Dilemma, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Crazy. When I heard this statement I'm about to tell you, it had me like, my kids are never getting a social media account. That's what I'm thinking. I, it's almost probably impossible to stop the butt. Listen, but I, we've I, made that decision. I, I'm like, ah, if they in my house, a bro. Jitterbug, a jitterbug. Yeah, like, a I, I just, I, I don't, because I know the temptation out there, right? But I, when this tech guy, the, the, the founder and the way who ran Twitter, when he said, yeah, I, I, I would never let my kid get a social media account. He said, I would never let my kid have a cell phone. He said, I would never, I would never let them create a social media account. This is the founder of these big tech companies. One, this is like three yep. different, Google, Twitter, yep. and Snapchat. Zuckerberg that, also has said the same thing about his kids. He was they like, will, they, they don't not. have devices. They don't have devices. They, they will not. And, I, and they asked him like, why? He said, bro, it's, 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 a, it's a grenade. It's a grenade. Like kids' brains are not wired to handle that much information. They're just not uh, without without authority around it to cipher that stuff out. Because again, they're children. They're children. Yeah, I have told parent after parent <laughs> after parent of middle school kids, your child should not be in a group chat. No. 
most of the issues we've dealt with when we <laughs> deal with stuff is middle schoolers in a group chat because they, they don't even understand the damage. No. They don't even understand the long-lasting nature of what they're doing. They're just being foolish. Just being foolish. Foolish. Just being foolish. Yeah, I tell them all the time. They repeat it after me. I say, uh, <laughs> if you want to be a fool, <laughs> if you want to be a fool, who should you hang around with? They'd be like, fools. If you want to be wise, who should you hang around with? Wise mm-hmm. people, right? And, wise I, and, people. I, and I tell them, I say, mm-hmm. you know, foolishness is pleasurable to the fool, right? Mm-hmm. You you do it because it, it feels good, bro. You're yeah. more sensual than biblical. And, and that's most people. You're more sensual. Yeah. You follow yeah. your feelings more than what the word of God says. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's a level of like, okay, Ms. Des, how much can they really understand this? Which I think they can understand quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I need to trust in the Holy Spirit because I know... That what got me, I mean, it was God's sovereignty. He he chose me for the foundation of the world, but it was a sense of God's word is powerful. And a lot of these students, my 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 constant challenge to parents when they do meet with me, because we are a Christian school and I can speak openly, I can say, well, yeah, your, your child is struggling with homework. And, and we can say that is he's not doing his homework, right? Or we can say he's not behaving in class, but all that stuff comes down to character, right? It comes down to character. And character can only be forged through trials, teaching, reproofing, rebuking, discipline. Like that's where char- that's where the character is forged in a young person's heart. Hardship, having to fight through stuff, and that's from a teacher. And I can't get you don't have to delegate that to a coach. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody gonna love your baby the way you love your baby. That's just simple. Nobody can do that. I can love your child, your child all I want, but are you taking an? Are you a Christian first and foremost? And they say yes. Well, are you taking the necessary steps to give them a biblical worldview? Are you reading the scripture with them? Do they see you reading the scripture? Do they know that Christ is all in all in your life? And if mm-hmm. that answer is no, maybe we should be talking more because <laughs> we yeah. can get you right. Oh man, it's going to bless this young man's life or young woman's life in in, in, in a great way. And I think. That's 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 my challenge always, not to just parents, but to but myself. But do parents want to hear? I think it's easier for parents to hear. My child didn't do their homework. I think it's a very very challenging and tough thing to say your child has poor character. Yep. And again, it comes down to us because everything you said is true. Romans Romans three five. I Come love or five three. I love this verse. Because when you're talking about a hopeless generation, sure. when you're talking about kids that don't feel like they've got anything else but to go and shoot up a school, when you're talking about kids taking their lives, the verse says, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm. Why don't kids have hope? Because we haven't allowed them to suffer. And I'm not talking about abusive suffering, but we're talking about the suffering that comes with life. And I think Mm -hmm. this goes back to what are you prioritizing for your kids? We don't want to tell kids, you should have done a better job of doing your homework. You should have had your stuff together. We don't want them to suffer with this zero. We don't want them to suffer with a failed grade. We don't want them to suffer by not getting a trophy. We don't want them to do this, this, and this. And because they haven't suffered, they're not able to persevere. And because they're not able to persevere, they haven't built character and they're lacking hope because of that. Like, it's a weird thing to connect 
suffering to hope, but the Bible lays it out pretty clearly there. And then you look at a generation of kids that we really try and protect from suffering instead of saying, you know what? Suffering is going to happen. How are we going to manage that suffering? What can we learn from that suffering? What can we learn from that? You didn't win. You didn't win that. You didn't. It's because you didn't do your best. What do we take from that? Rather, rather than teaching kids how to navigate suffering, we're trying to shield them from it. And we're really not doing them any favors. Um, and that goes back to that original, the original conversation, right? Parents are working really hard to provide because they don't want their kids to suffer. They don't want their kids to go to school and be made fun of. They don't want their kids to not have something that everybody else has when there's something that can, can be, can be learned from that. Um, I think that that's the challenge I think as parents, we do want to provide our children with a life better than what we had. But the reality is the life that produced us was a life, at least for me, it was a life of lacking sure. of two parents that worked a lot of two parents that struggled. We didn't, we had thrift store clothes and we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the stuff, mm-hmm. but that produced us. And now we have children that we can, it's a blessing to be able to produce stuff for your kids. August had ponies at her birthday party. I didn't ever have, I didn't even have any big old birthday parties. You know, and so it's a blessing to be able to provide that for my child. I am, I love that I'm able to do that for our child, but also there's this kind of weird, am I producing the, like, she's not going to have the same life experiences that I have. Am I building a child that's able to persevere? Am I building a child that's able to, to navigate life because she's going to have it easier than I did. Amen. Um, Romans eight talks about this present suffering has nothing to compare mm. to the glory that's going to be revealed when yes. Jesus comes. Yes. Yeah. And what, a, what an awesome <laughs> thing to share with our kids. Yeah. And we miss the opportunity to do that because we're too busy trying to protect them from that suffering. Exactly. Right. And that's what being a Christian is following Christ in his suffering. Yeah. It's and not it's- just everything's going to be great. And then, you know, life is great. Amen. It's, 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 it's a cross before crown. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a cross you got to bear before you get that crown. Yes. Jesus is our yeah. example. Jesus said, yeah. I don't have a place to, the son of man has a place to lay his head. Lay his head. You know, foxes has dens, birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. I mean, hey, like this is who Christ was. Like give them the true picture of yes. Jesus, you know, yeah. give them and let them yeah. wrestle with that. Early in the book, um, Screens and Teens again, she was, she was the lady who wrote the foreword. Do you read forewords? That's just off. Do you read that or do you just go straight to the chapter? <laughs> my, you know, I don't, I didn't used to even read introductions. My okay. husband is an avid reader and uh, he was like, why don't you read the introduction? I'm like, why would I read the introduction? It's chapter one. If they wanted me to read it, I would read the, I would read, sure. start, I would read it in chapter one. Yeah. And he was like, there's a lot of information. It in it. So I've started reading introductions and that stuff because my husband is like, why well, don't like yeah. judging me? Cause I don't read it. Yeah, so, okay. read so it. yeah, I've but, started yeah. reading the, the forward. So in the forward, see if I didn't read it, I would say this point, but in the forward, she said she, when she dropped her son off, her and her husband dropped her son off to college. The first day he called telling them, come pick him up. And for the whole mm. week, he was calling and begging them, please, mom, come pick me up. Come pick me up. Come pick me up. And he said, they said, that's your baby. They put on your heart springs, heart strings. And you like, okay, we almost, they almost caved in. So they actually called the dean of the dean. They called oh. the dean and was like, hey, mm-hmm. my son's struggling, da, 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 da. 
And they said the dean responded graciously and was just like, hey, I know this is your baby, but he needs to stay. Like, no, do not come and get yeah. him. And then before yeah. he got off the phone, they, it, she said it stuck with him. She says, you know, she said, he said, you know, this generation just doesn't know how to persevere through anything. Mm. And it stuck with me two instances. I was at Bowie State. You know, I graduated from Bowie State. Two instances. Okay. I was speaking to my English department chair and this is embarrassing what I'm going to tell you, but it is reality. We were learning in college what I'm teaching seventh graders. Like, oh. what's a preposition? What's oh. a conjunction? What's a prepositional mm. phrase? And we were failing tests, including me. You know, my, I don't know if you know my education story, but I was a horrible student. I didn't care. But it's like, I, and we were learning stuff, beginner grammar, secondary grammar. I was in the computer lab at work the other day, and I heard Miss Alexander teaching the second graders about uh. helping and linking verbs. I was learning that in college. I was like, oh my goodness, we have a problem. So that struck with me. And, and I remember I talked to the English department chair, and he was just like, you know, Desmond, these kids, we have to dumb stuff down. We have to dumb down our curriculum for these new generation of kids. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like in 20 years. Like remedial courses, we're going to have to give them as four credit courses or they're never going to graduate because they're not going to have enough credit. Because when I went back to college, uh, Vanessa, I had to take remedial courses for English and math. So that's that's a workload of a full class, but you get no credit for it. It's just like you got to pass. Yeah, it's yeah, pass or fail. Yeah, and yeah, I had to take it, yeah. but I needed it because I didn't mm-hmm. know it because I, I, I fooled mm-hmm. around in school. So, and then the next instance was I was talking to my education department chair and he, and I had did a presentation one time. It was really good by God's grace. And he was so enthralled about it. He said, Desmond, if, if, cause he was getting older and he was like, Desmond, if I could realistically, I would let you teach the class. Cause it seemed like I lost their voice. They don't want to hear me. Um, he said, they just don't have a yearning to learn. Like they just, just don't want to learn nothing. And he was just at his wits. And he was like, I never experienced this in my life just to your point of like you if it's not handed to you and it doesn't take less than five seconds we don't want to do it like if it's more than five seconds it's like we don't want to you know we've cultivated we have done this okay and i think it's easy to look at kids and go look at these kids yeah they can't yep what do we expect to happen you know what do we expect to happen to a certain degree i think but we can also take it back and i think there are certain things that we've instituted in our home sure. that, you know, we, re- we read, we don't let August watch TV really. It's very rare. And it's become let it's become more rare because when we do let her watch TV, it's, it's <laughs> the fighting. I mean, that, that you just saw, yeah. that's what happens when we turn it off. And the next day, well, can I watch Berenstein bears or can I watch like, we, and we were very selective too about what yep. she watches because of the whole worldview situation. Sure. And we had her watching some dinosaur dinosaur show one day and we weren't really watching it. And we thought it's just a dinosaur show. It's for preschoolers. And there was two daddy dinosaurs. And yeah. we were like, yeah. where did this come? Like where I had to like do a, do a double take yeah. and like, let me rewatch this episode. Cause they could not possibly be indoctrinating my two year old with this. So we just had to be very careful with what she watched and da da da. But even when she's watching the most wholesome thing, yep. we had to stop because the next day it's, can I watch Miss Rachel? Can I watch Louie? No, yep. August, you can't. And then she's having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. No. And then again, that discipline is tough. It's sure. hard 
to have me sit here and watch her play. It's hard to have me incorporate her into whatever I'm doing. It is easier to have me just plop her down in front of a screen. It is. But that's not what's good for her. And so I think what I've done, because I've seen like 10 years, 12 years, 15 years of education with in the various roles that I have filled. So I've, I've been around for a little bit. Um, and I have just seen the damage that some of this stuff has done. And I want to raise a child that can think. I want to raise a child whose attention span is longer than five seconds. Um, it's little things, you know, even when we were, when we were coming up, if I wanted to listen to a song, I had to wait for it to come on the radio. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to listen to a song, I had somebody had to put the CD in. And, and when I had to listen to a song, there was a tape so and you had to actually rewind it. Nobody was going to go back to the exact spot that the song was on. And you had to finish listening to the song before you go back. August is like, I want the dinosaur song. Yeah, I want... I want, no, I'm done with that. I want silly songs. Yeah. I want the song about the duck. And you can get caught up and just like go, okay, you want that? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, no, you need to listen to this song. I'm not switching songs. Yeah. No, mommy's sure. listening to this song right now. Mm -hmm. You can't go. Like, it's those little things that we have done that have created some of these issues sure. down, down the line. And I think- we, I, the solution I think is just to stop and we've in, incorporated certain things. I think knowing where your child is learning, knowing what they're learning, how they're learning, what the policies in the school are, all of those things are really, really important. And then holding your child to that accountability is important rather than making excuses for why they didn't learn, why they didn't practice, why they didn't do their homework. Yeah. Excuse me, you know, really setting up a situation where you're holding them accountable for those things. I think that's going to create good learners. And all I can hope is that, you know, our child, as we do that with our children, as you, I'm sure, are going to do that with your children, children that are readers, children that have attention spans, mm -hmm. children that surpass us academically, that they're going to be able to out navigate some of this other nonsense that's going on. Cause that is the question. What are we going to do? And is it the best thing to dumb down a curriculum just so people pass? Cause a lot of that is money too, right? I mean, you want to get people's money. You want to get them to earn a degree. So let's make it as easy as possible. And really what you should be doing is failing them. Fail them. And there was a big scandal at, in PG County with Duval a couple of years ago where they were just passing kids, <laughs> just straight passing kids that should have been passed. Is that the best thing? It's not the best thing. It is yeah. good for them to just fail and redo it so that they know it. They're going to achieve at a higher level. Sure. I mean, people get, <laughs> I tell this to my students, you know, in a sense of motivation, about my journey in education, but I graduated. You probably about to be like, "What?" I graduated for one point two GPA. One point two. Mm. That's like one time I got a zero point sixty. That's like all E's and a D. And I got a. <laughs> and the only reason I got a D, I think my teacher just liked me because I should I should have felt. But I just <laughs> never went to school. It wasn't because I I couldn't do. The, I just didn't go to school, and yeah. I passed. That's pathetic. That's. My dad got so mad at me one time. He said, Desmond, this is blanking retarded. <laughs> he was so mad at me. Like, that's son. not allowed anymore. Yeah, he was like, son, yeah. what do you, what? And I just look back on that. I was like, man, he should have felt my butt. 
that would have tightened me up. Me failing a grade, that would have tightened me up because I had learned, okay, I can fail everything, but if I pass English, I'm going to go to the next grade. I just learned that. Like, right. okay, I need right. four years of English, so I'm not going to fail English, but that would just supplement math and history. Right. That would just give you some stuff so you can pass that stuff. Um, yeah. So, but but it, but what does that teach me in the long run? And I it still, eventually catches up with it you. Does. It eventually catches up with you. It does. You know, it's not like you can skate through that forever in your life. Exactly. Um, I did really bad. My first semester at college was terrible. I don't remember what my GPA was, <laughs> but it was really bad. And it was something that I had to kind of deal with for the rest of my time through college. And when I applied for the School of Education, um, I had to write a letter of explanation because my GPA was not at the threshold that it needed to be. And at that point I had had semester after semester of like 3.0, 3.5 semesters, but it had not rehabilitated my initial semester that that my GPA was still below the threshold that they would take. So I had to write a letter of explanation. Fast forward to me getting my master's degree. I had to write another letter of explanation and take an entry-level, no credit English class because of my initial GPA and my GPA on my undergrad was not, I mean, it was better. It was, it was much better. It was, it was at the 3.0 level, but because my English grade or whatever it was, I don't remember exactly, but I had to write a letter of explanation for why they should accept me into the grad program. And I had to take a remedial course that they did not. And at that point I had a, I had a real job. I could write, I could write really well. I mean, I had, you know, my ducks in a row at that point, but I made those few mistakes early on. Sure. And I, and and I think there's something to be learned. I think there's something to be learned and there's wisdom to be gleaned from that. Yeah. If we're allowing kids to fail, if we're setting those thresholds where we, they need to be, and we're actually asking them to rise. I always say, if you set your bar really high, the reality is kids, people, whoever is always going to miss it. They will. But the higher you set the bar, the higher they're going to miss it. Yep. And I think Christ sets the ultimate bar of perfection for us. Mm-hmm. He knows we're going to miss it. Yep. But thank God he didn't set that bar at like, <laughs> just just say yes <laughs> or whatever it is. Yep. And then, you know, what? what <laughs> he sets a bar, like the, the bar to be in relate, like when you're in relationship with him. That's what that is. And I think we should do the same. We, we should do the same. And we should be uncompromising on it. And I and the, the reality is kids will rise. They will. Kids will rise. Students will rise. This is not about students being incapable. This is not about students being less intelligent. This is not about them being less competent. I think they are more competent. I think they are more able to navigate a variety of different settings. My child knows how to turn the TV on. She knows way more than I ever will about certain things. And she will grow up knowing way more than I ever will about certain things. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is an issue of their competence or their intelligence level. This is a matter of, are we challenging them or are we just allowing them to coast with the lowest common denominator? Amen. Like Philippians says, we press towards the high mark of Jesus Christ. We press. Not that I've already achieved it, but by God's grace, I'm pressing. Um, Algo always says, you don't, you don't move the standard. You don't lower the standard. You make them rise to the standard, right? You right. don't move it. You don't yep. lower it. You make them rise to yep. it. And yep. you need yep. that in your face challenge of no, son, you can do this. Right. I'm not right. helping you do it. Right. You know what I mean? And right. then with the girls, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes it can kind of come off like rough, but I'm like, nah, sis, you got it. You got mm-hmm. it. Yep. Just, just, yeah, yep. it's going to be some tears. I tell them, I say, dad, yep. dad was 23 years old. I could not, this, pat, this math class that I needed in order to pass graduate college it was in tears because mm-hmm. i didn't know yeah. it but you had to pass these tests 
spelling them joints. I was in tears, but you know what it made me do? Wipe your tears. You, I'm a grown yeah. man. And I'm like, yeah. I gotta go back and yeah. do it because there's no way around. Don't give them a shortcut. They're gonna take it. Right. They're you can only go it. through. Jesus. Jesus got to a point in his life. We said, man, Lord, if this cup, hey, if you could, yep. let this thing yep. pass. He said, not my will, your will be done. What was God's will? You got to go through it. You got to right. go through this. And right. it's things in our right. children's lives. Even when Mary, you don't think Jesus' mother was struggling seeing her, her son it's like hard. that? No, it's, 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 yeah. it's yeah. hard to see your child yeah. suffer. So I, yeah. get the, I get the heart strain, but it's almost mm-hmm. like for us, we need the parent. Like I said, man, we need the parent the way God parents us. God did not hold yeah. back suffering right. from Israel. And that he was their right. daddy. <laughs> right. He didn't hold back suffering. Right. It was things they had to fight for in order, okay, yeah, I'm gonna give you the land, but you're gonna have to fight for it. I'm gonna give you the right. strength, but you're gonna have to actually go and do this. And that's right. the same way we still we have to parent um, our children. So with that being said, it is 920. I hear my baby's about to come upstairs. I know your your babies may be down. Mrs. My baby's in I still hear my husband putting her to sleep. So. Yeah. So I, I thought this was good. Again, we didn't get to all the questions. I just want to leave my people with a final thought. This is Psalm 78. And just listen to these words, Vanessa. It says, my people hear my instructions. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare why I saying, sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Past. Things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children, from our children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his Amen. might and the wondrous works he has performed. I just think that's a beautiful statement. And it goes on. He established a testimony in, in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children so that a future Amen. generation, children yet to be born, might know. They would arise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God, uh, put their confidence in God and not forget God's work, but keep his commandments. And I just think that's a beautiful statement, a good way to finish this. Like, how about we be the people that raise up a generation to love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul and their strength, and not a generation that has no fear of God before their eyes, because that generation ends in wrath, destruction judgment chaos but the other one leads to life peace godliness holiness and a life worth living right so Vanessa, i'm thankful for you sis this was beautiful uh absolutely thanks for having me i appreciate it <laughs> i appreciate it. this has i'm been... sorry for the sorry for the chaos and a little bit of confusion that exists in our life right now <laughs> we're trying to we're managing it with a two-year-old it's so. fine it's fine i'm pretty sure they won't they don't mind we like that improv too stuff it makes it natural we just having a conversation <laughs> that's why you know? we don't want a video we just <laughs> we just do it on audio exactly we just want a conversation so you know This is the Life Podcast, where we like to filter our thoughts through God's thoughts, filter our ways through God's ways, and filter our perspective through God's perspective. Vanessa, say bye to the people. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. (laughs)